I'm going to keep our hymnals out as we look at Article 26 of the Belgic Confession tonight, page 864, in the back of your hymnals. We'll be turning in God's Word to 1 Timothy chapter 2. As we see where God speaks of that mediatorial work of the Lord Jesus Christ, his work as intercessor. Last week, I noted Paul's words to Timothy to pray for all people since Christ died for humanity. 1 Timothy chapter 2, where we begin this evening, there are no people beyond his redemptive power, no people beyond that he cannot reach. And we should pray for all people, all kinds of people, people from every walk of life, the the high and the, the low, the, those in exalted position and those in, in humble positions, that they would hear the gospel, that they would believe the gospel. We ought to proclaim that gospel to them. Tonight we want to continue with the theme of prayer as it is connected to Belgic Confession Article 26. How do we know? Or how can we know that God will hear us? Because we know that Christ intercedes for us. Listen to the, that truth as it's laid out in God's Word. First Timothy chapter 2, this is the Word of God. First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. People of God, years ago I remember a story being told. I remember what conference it was at, but it was a story about Charles Hodge, the great Princeton theologian. He was well-loved by his students. He had his home on campus there uh, in Princeton, New Jersey. He had uh, his office there in his home, and he had two doors. He had an exterior door for the students and whomever wanted to come visit, and he had a special door inside for his children to come in. And he was always ready to receive his children, no matter the occasion or what was happening. He would, he would welcome them in. And that story came to mind as I was thinking about how we have access to God through Jesus Christ. He is ready to receive us. He wants to hear from us. He is one who is uh, most ready to receive. That's the picture that the Bible gives us of God. The Bible also says he's holy. To be sure that he's undefiled, that no wickedness can dwell in his presence. But he is also near to the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, ready to receive sinners. And all who desire life must go to him. There's no life apart from him. The article opens by saying that both of those, giving both of those aspects, that we, we don't just saunter into his presence, it says this, we believe that we have no access to God except through the one and only mediator and intercessor, Jesus Christ the righteous. We cannot come apart from him. He is the hope of our lives, our confidence for the future, 
and our peace in the present. Let's listen to Article 26 as lays out this doctrine of the intercession of Christ. We believe that we have no access to God except through the one and only mediator and intercessor, Jesus Christ the righteous. He therefore was made man, uniting together the divine and human natures, so that we, human beings, might have access to the divine majesty. Otherwise, we would have no access. But this mediator, whom the Father has appointed between himself and us, ought not terrify us by his greatness, so that we have to look for another one according to our fancy. For neither in heaven nor among the creatures on earth is there anyone who loves us more than Jesus Christ does. Although he was in the form of God, he nevertheless emptied himself, taking the form of a man and a servant for us, and he made himself completely like his brothers. Suppose we had to find another intercessor. Who would love us more than he who gave his life for us, even though we were his enemies? And suppose we had to find one who has prestige and power. Who has as much of these as he who is seated at the right hand of the Father and who has all power in heaven and on earth? And who will be heard more readily than God's own dearly beloved Son? So then, sheer unbelief has led to the practice of dishonoring the saints instead of honoring them. That was something the saints never did nor asked for, but which in keeping with their duty, as appears from their writings, they consistently refused. We should not plead here that we are unworthy, for it is not a question of offering our prayers on the basis of our own dignity, but only on the basis of the excellence and dignity of Jesus Christ, whose righteousness is ours by faith. Since the apostle, for a good reason, wants us to get rid of this foolish fear, or rather, this unbelief, he says to us that Jesus Christ was made like his brothers in all things, that he might be a high priest who is merciful and faithful to purify the sins of the people. For since he suffered being tempted, he is also able to help those who are tempted. And further, to encourage us more to approach him, he says, since we have a high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has entered into heaven, we maintain our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to have compassion for our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in all things, just as we are, except for sin. Let us go then with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in order to be helped. The same apostle says that we have liberty to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Let us go then in the assurance of faith. Likewise, Christ's priesthood is forever. By this he is able to save completely those who draw near to God through him, who always lives to intercede for them. What more do we need? For Christ himself declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to my Father but by me. Why should we seek another intercessor? Since it has pleased God to give us his Son as our intercessor, let us not leave him for another, or rather seek without ever finding. For when God gave him to us, he knew well that we were sinners. Therefore, in following the command of Christ, we call on the Heavenly Father through Christ, our only mediator, as we are taught by the Lord's Prayer, being assured that we shall obtain all we ask of the Father in his name. And brothers and sisters, Article 26 opens by summarizing what has already been 
said about the glorious work of the Lord. We believe that we have no access to God apart from him. But rather, in him, we have all access to God. The Son of God, who became man, uniting in his person, divine and human natures, has opened the way for us to God. Without his special nature and his work, we would have no access to the Father. Now, we don't like being told we don't have access to something, do we? Today, that seems almost un-American to say, well, you can't do that. You may not go there. We are becoming increasingly restless and wanting to remove boundaries and access to all kinds of things. God is seen as un-American, not having, allowing us to have our freedoms to do whatever we want. We recognize that it is so much more dangerous to be lied to than to hear the truth and be told that apart from Christ and apart from God, we cannot be saved and we cannot enter in. The truth is, God is not going to be made in our image and his word is not going to be twisted to fit our desires. There can be no violation of his holy standard. No amount of human wishing or working will change that. And that's good news in a sense because that tells us what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is going to be whole. There's not going to be brokenness. There's not going to be confusion about who we are. There's not going to be fighting about whose side we must take or who is on the right side of history. There'll be clarity there. We won't be restless in heaven, wondering just exactly what is the right way or God's purpose. This also means that not just anyone has access into heaven. Or if this is to be true, if there's going to be no brokenness, if there's going to be no sin, no wickedness, no error, then there will be those who are not there. Heaven, as understood, understood as God's throne or his kingdom, is closed off to wickedness. Those who act wickedly and sin continually without repenting will not enter in. We see that from the very beginning in the picture of how our first parents were sent out of the garden and were not able to return. An angel with a flaming sword standing in front of the tree of life. But the Lord promised a way of access and that One who opens the way is the Son of God, come to make the way. He was the mediator between God and man. God sent mediators before. You remember the number of different examples that we have. You remember when God was speaking to Moses on the mountain in the book of Exodus. What were the people doing below as God was speaking to Moses and giving him the Ten Commandments? They were making a golden calf and bowing down to it. God became angry and he said, I'm going to destroy the people and make a nation out of you. And Moses interceded. Moses spoke on behalf of the people, though he could not offer anything but God's promises, pleading God's promises. The Old Testament priests did the same thing. Look through Leviticus 1 through 9. What do we see there? The priests are, are coming before God on behalf of the people with offerings, but those offerings are needed to be again and again, and they're offered for their own sins and for the sins of the people. The difference with Jesus' mediatorship is that he gave himself for his people. That once for all sacrifice that we 
heard in passing this morning, offering himself as payment for sin. It says here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he is the one mediator between God and men who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time, given for all those who are going to be saved from whatever walk of life, keeping with God's decree of election. The mediator of a new covenant, the covenant of grace, The Lord carried out his judgment for our sin upon his son. If you want to follow along, look at Article 20 in the Belgian Confession. Let me just read Article 20 of the Belgian Confession, which speaks of of this uh, justice that God carries out against our sin. We believe that God, who is perfectly merciful and also very just, sent his son to assume the nature in which the disobedience had been committed in order to bear in it the punishment of sin by his most bitter passion and death. So, God made known his justice toward his Son, who was charged with our sin, and he poured out his goodness and mercy on us, who are guilty and worthy of damnation, giving to us his Son to die by a most perfect love and raising him to life for our justification, in order that by him we might have immortality and eternal life. The pursuit of immortality and eternal life. How do we achieve that? How is that achieved? It's only as we come to the Lord Jesus Christ who then connects us to the Father in whom there is life. He is our advocate before his Father in heaven. He pleads his sacrifice for our sin. First John 2 tells us that, that if we have any uh, fears, we know this, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the intercessor for us. If anyone sins, and indeed we do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. When the devil accuses us, and he brings accusation against us, Christ is our righteousness. When the world accuses us, we cling to Christ as our Savior. When our own hearts condemn us, we boast in the cross, Jesus Christ. Through him we have access to the divine Majesty, the one and only mediator. Jesus is the God-man who satisfies all righteousness. But then the Belgian Confession, to look back again to Article 26, says this, But this mediator whom the Father has appointed between himself and us ought not terrify us by his greatness so that we have to look for another one according to our fancy. For neither in heaven nor among the creatures on earth is there anyone who loves us more than Jesus Christ does. Suppose we had to find another intercessor. Who would love us more than he who gave his life for us, even though we were his enemies? Suppose we had to find one who has prestige and power, who has as much of these as he who is seated at the right hand of the Father, and who has all power in heaven and on earth, and who will be heard more readily than God's own dearly beloved Son. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ says to us. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from all of your fears, all of your concerns. He knows our burdens. He knows our stresses, our disappointments, things that don't work out. We're reminded again that we are to take those things to the Lord in prayer. He is one who calls us to come. I want us to listen carefully to that because today, what, we, what do we think of the law? We think of the law as that which is... Which is uh, cast about to to knock people down. 
to constrain people, to punish. And indeed, it does warn, and it, it says, this is God's way, walk in it. But it, is also, it also has that use in the lives of those filled in the, with the Holy Spirit to say, this is the way of life, walk in this way. No freedom, no joy. Jesus says, my Father's will is before you. And he says through the Apostle Paul, this is the Lord's will for you, that you would be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're being sanctified by the Spirit in keeping with the Word of God, that Word of life. He does not regard, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ does not regard humanity with evil intent. Through His church, He calls sinners by His Word and Spirit to turn from sin to know life in Him. He came to us and became like us in order to save us. He understands what causes doubts and fears in us. Listen to what's being said here. The Bible sets before us the love of Christ, the power of Christ, the intercession of Christ. He speaks directly to the Father. He loved us while we were still enemies. The good shepherd who loved us and laid down his own life for us He has power and majesty to save. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. That's what he says. We need not look anywhere else. And we may come to him. Who will be heard more readily than God's own dearly beloved son? It comes down to it after all the biblical texts are set before us as they're piled up there in front of us. What's brought out is... That the Father loves the Son and listens to Him as He intercedes for you. As He calls to the Father for you, reminding the Father of what He has done for you. The words of the Father to the Son in His baptism ought to be ringing in our ears. What does it say there when, when, when Jesus is being baptized? The Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son, listen to Him. And what does the Son say? He says, when you pray, pray this way. When you come to my Father, who is now your Father through me, pray to him. Praying to anyone or anything else to gain access to the Father is not necessary. It's even disobedient. The, the article deals with that because at the time of the writing of the article, there was this practice in the church of praying to, to saints, those holy people who had died. And, and the assumption was, well, they, that when they went to heaven, they were holy here on earth. They were praying for others. Obviously, they're, they're now praying for us in heaven. And the Reformers said, well, that is not where we look for our intercessors, we look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who says, I go to heaven there to speak on your behalf. The Bible does not command us to pray to saints. It teaches us to pray to our heavenly Father through his Son. The confession even says it this way, that this is dishonoring to the saints. They never asked to be, to be prayed to. So something the saints never asked for. Rather, they consistently refused it. And we can think of that in the, in the Scripture's testimony. What happens when Peter comes before Cornelius and Cornelius is waiting for, for God to send someone and it, Cornelius does what? He drops down on his knees and bows before Peter and Peter says, stand up, I'm only a man. I'm only a man like you. Don't, don't bow before me. 
You can think of other examples in, in the scriptures where, where there are people wanting to bow down to Paul and Barnabas as though they were gods. And he, No, no, Paul says, stand up. We are not gods. We are here to tell you of the one true God, one to whom you may speak, to whom you may go. What do we do when we, or why do we do this? Why are we often looking for other ways to come to God? Well, there is that reality that we're not getting what we want, and so sometimes we come a different way. And we, we think, well, I, I tried this and that didn't work. Well, let me, let me try another way. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. If he does not uh, give us what we want, then we need to submit to that. We must also be careful, though, not to have some uh, uh, humility that's not a biblical humility. The, the confession speaks of that here as well. It says, we should not plead here that we're unworthy to come directly to him. Now, that's true. We are unworthy. We are not able to come to God on our own dignity. But we're called to come to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says here. It says, we should not plead here that we are unworthy, for it is not a question of offering our prayers on the basis of our own dignity, but only on the basis of the excellence and dignity of Jesus Christ, whose righteousness is ours by faith. So we come through him. And then the writer of the confession goes on to give us confidence that Christ is the perfect mediator. He says this, quoting several scripture passages, since the apostle, for good reason, wants us to get rid of this foolish fear, or rather this unbelief, he calls it, he says to us that Jesus Christ was made like his brothers in all things, that he might be a high priest who is merciful and faithful to purify the sins of the people. Since he suffered being tempted, he is also able to help those who are tempted. And further, to encourage us more, to approach him, he says, since we have a high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has entered into heaven, we maintain our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to have compassion for our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in all things, just as we are, except for sin. Let us go then with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in order to be helped. Same apostle says that we have liberty to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Let us go then in the assurance of faith. Christ's priesthood is forever. By this, he's able to save completely those who draw near to God through him, who always lives to intercede for them. He's quoting many passages from the book of Hebrews, where the writer is pointing people to look to Christ and not to the ways of the old covenant and to the ways of the past. Our Savior has that unchanging priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who draw near to God through him. This teaching then leads the writer of the confession and we ourselves to ask the question, what more do we need? What more do we need to come to the Father, to come before God? Today, we have issues with uh, uh, overconfidence. That Well, if, if God exists and he's before me, well, I'll just tell him I'm a good person, and I do better than most. The Bible sets before us God's holiness and says that there is no, no way of coming in our, in our own goodness. But in Christ, there is the way, the truth, and the life. Christ himself declares it. 
I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to my Father but by me. We must humble ourselves then before the Lord and recognize that Jesus has opened the way to heaven through the shedding of his blood. We have access to God and can be confident that he will hear us. Jesus says, come to my Father. And when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. And then we see that at the close of this article, the call of the Lord's Prayer. We're listening to him. We do not pray to anyone else but the one true God, knowing that God will surely listen to our prayers. Remember what the Catechism says, question and answer 117. What does it say there? How, do we, how does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us? First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed himself to us in his word, asking for everything he has commanded us to ask of him. We do that humbly in his majestic presence. And we rest on this unshakable foundation that even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. Think of access to the most powerful person on earth and how difficult that is. The access to the president, access to prime ministers of other countries, presidents of other countries. And we think, boy, yeah, it's just, it's not possible. We don't know the right people. We don't have the right channels. Yet here, Scripture assures us that we have access to the one who's over all to the one who is over all the earth. And the Lord Jesus promises us that if we ask in his name, he will do whatever we ask, that the Father might be glorified through him. We think of the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for our prayer. The first three petitions that God would be glorified, the Father would be glorified in those last petitions to pray for the good of our neighbor. That's what Paul is talking about here. He says, we, we pray that God would be glorified in their, uh, in their redemption. And we pray for all kings and all in high positions, all others, that God might save them, that he might deliver them. How do we enter into heaven? Well, it is through prayer, by calling Naming the name of Christ, we come into God's throne room, the holy of holies. We need not fear any enemy, for we have access to the King of kings. We should not doubt that wisdom can be found there for any of our situations, for God is pure wisdom. And we should be assured that the Lord will give us what we need, for he has all power to grant it. Well, let's go to him in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are so privileged to be able to call you Father through your Son, having access to you. There are those who fear and fret today and think, oh, if only I knew this person, if only I had access to that person, all my needs would be met. I would get the money I need, or I would get the home that I need, or I would get the the car or whatever. And the focus is on those material needs and upon those people. But Lord, help us to see our greatest need is to find peace with you that we might know the way to everlasting life, that we might have peace now and peace for eternity. Thank you for this wonderful instruction. 
which keeps us walking in the right way. We know, Lord, that there is so much that is said around us that would trip us up, making us look elsewhere for life, making us look elsewhere for our hope, but it is to be found in you alone. Guide us in this new week, we pray, that we might consider how you have made us to be your witnesses. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.